Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S. and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends, and we welcome you to another edition of Now Appalachia, heard here and broadcasted on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as we continue to profile the outstanding authors and publishers with connections to the Appalachian region, and we emphasize how the region influences and impacts their work. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us today. And on this episode of Now Appalachia, we're talking about poetry, and I'm so delighted to have the Ohio Poet Laureate with us today, Carrie Gunter Seymour to talk to us about her latest book called A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen, her latest collection of poems that was published by Sheila McGig Editions in 2020, and also the great work that she is doing uh, in Appalachia with poetry and with outreach and so many other things that she has going on, so I'm glad to have her here. And as I mentioned, Carrie Seymour is the uh, Poet Laureate of Ohio. She's been a recipient of the 2021 Academy of American Poets Laureate Fellowship, Her collections include A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen, which we're going to talk about, and that won the 2020 Ohio Poet of the Year Award. And she also is the author of the chapbook Serving, which came out from Crisis Chronicles Press back in 2018. Her poems have appeared in numerous journals and publications, including Rattle, One, the LA Times, and the New York Times. Her work has also been featured on Verse Daily, World Literature Today, and Poem a Day. She's a ninth-generation Appalachian, and she's the founder and executive director of the Woman of Appalachia Project and is editor of the anthology series Women Speak. She is also the founder, curator, and host of Spoken and Heard, a seasonal performance series featuring poets, writers, and musicians from across the country. She's also an artist in residence for the Wexner Center for the Arts and a 2021 Pillar of Prosperity Fellow for the Foundation of Appalachia, Ohio. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the program today, uh, Carrie Gunter Seymour to talk to us about her new book, her new collection of poems, A Place So Deep Inside America Can't Be Seen, and also everything else that she is up to uh, regarding writing and publishing, poetry, and outreach. So Carrie, welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Elliot. This is just wonderful. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. So glad to have you here. And I've got so many things I want to talk about and so many things I want to ask you about, about poetry and your poetry and what you've been doing with uh, all the work in terms of uh, helping other writers get into poetry and publicizing them and, and outreach and all of that. But I wanted to ask you first and spend a little bit of time talking about your latest collection, A Place So Deep Inside America, It Can't Be Seen. Um one of the things that caught my attention really early on in the collection was the dedication, who you dedicated the book of poetry to. And you dedicated, to, dedicated it to every woman, every woman in my life who has befriended, loved, and looked after me. Why did you decide to dedicate this latest collection of poems to those people? You know, everything is multi-layered, right? Of course. But um, when you read the poems, they are they are, they are woman poems. I mean, these are stories about women. And of course there are men in the poems. You know, I bring up the father, you know, I, uh, I bring up a son um, and other family members, an uncle. Um, 
But overall, these are stories about women. And I write from my sense of place. I write what I know. And so um, there have been so many women in my life and prior to my life who have had such a great impact on me. And when I say that, I mean my ancestors, you know, and that that connection we have to our people goes much further than the generations that are living, you know, at least for me, it does. And I started thinking about that. And I thought about all those women who'd worked the fields and, um, you know, raised so many children and experienced so many deaths. And I'm so proud of my people because they were uh, sustaining farmers, including my grandparents who, you know, fed their children year after year, winter after winter, fed seven children, you know, um, on food they grew and raised, you know, the animals that they, that they took care of and everybody had a job. And I think about how my mama woke, you know, being the baby of the family, woke up in the morning to an ice cold house until somebody got the fireplace going, you know, when she was a small child. And so as I was writing these poems, I realized that that was the story. I was telling the story about these women who had been so precious to me in my life and how very fortunate I am to have had them, you know? So that's what that's all about. (laughs) Fantastic. That's great. I I wanted to ask you about um, where a lot of your poems take place. And and I know your writing focuses on this area and a lot of the work that you do uh, in terms of outreach and and collecting poems for anthologies and all of that kind of takes place in a region called Appalachia, Ohio, or it's been kind of termed Appalachia, Ohio. For folks in our audience who maybe aren't familiar with, with where that is, in the state of Ohio. Can you give us kind of a description or a breakdown of where this, this Appalachia, Ohio is sort of located if you're looking at Ohio on a map? Sure, now we're calling it Central Appalachia. And that's because we kind of have the best of, bo- of both. We have the best of Northern and we have the best of Southern, you know, and then, and then everybody kind of ended up there in Ohio. And I will mention too, and this kind of gets back to your question, some people don't know, and then some people have forgotten that a quarter of the state of Ohio is in Appalachia proper, and that goes up the whole east side of the state, okay? So that is literally, technically, Appalachia, but there are huge pockets throughout Ohio of those who settled to work the factories, to go to the steel mills, to doing the iron work, um, you know, coal mining. Sometimes we forget that Ohio was rich in coal mining, not anymore, but I mean, there are some, of course, that very rich in coal mining. And so um, these pockets, which I, uh, over my, uh, the last, say, 10 years of traveling around the state and just meeting folks and sharing poetry, which is what's just so wonderful about being a writer, and especially for me being a poet, is you meet all these marvelous people who you realize, oh my God, they're my people. They are Appalachian and they live downtown Cincinnati, but they are Appalachian through and through. Same with Toledo, same with uh, uh, Youngstown, Ohio, Canton, Ohio, um, Dayton, Ohio, down into Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it's amazing. And then when you think about spots like Marietta, Ohio, that's, you know, in Appalachia proper, when you think about Southeastern Ohio, which is where I am. And so um, 
you know, Ohio is saturated by Appalachians and people are just not aware of that. And because um, I'm a third generation Ohio or central Ohio Appalachian and, um, and we are a, a tad bit different because like I said, we're a mix. We're a mix of Northern or a mix of South. And then we've kind of made our own little, our own little uh, way of doing things based on our heritage. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've talked about this on the show from my own family background. You know, my, my family, on my dad's side of the family, especially, they were coal miners and farmers in, in Eastern West Virginia. And in the 60s and 70s, when the coal mines were shutting down, kind of going through their first uh, depression in terms of, of coal jobs and coal mining, they moved north. They went to Canton. They went to Akron. They worked at the Goodyear rubber plant there. They worked, went all the way to Cleveland, worked at the steel mills and the shipyards. But, you know, despite all of that, many of them, when they retired from there, moved back to West Virginia. And they considered themselves West Virginians and Appalachians, even though they were living, you know, in, in, in what was considered a big city uh, by comparison. So I'm so glad that you that you mentioned that because you're right. So many of us that, that think about Appalachian, think about the state of Ohio in general, we think of Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. We don't realize about all of those areas uh, in between. So I'm so glad that you you talked a little bit about that. I want to ask you about the title poem uh, in your new book, A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen. When I saw that title, I thought, okay, I've got to find the poem that matches that title and see what that's all about. And I loved it because it ties in so well to what we've been talking about here with Appalachia, uh, kind of an area of the country that is often overlooked. And when it does attract notice or does get attention, it's always portrayed and viewed in a negative light. The people, the region are always portrayed um, in a negative light. And I think your poem uh, addresses a little bit of that. And, and I, there was a, a stanza I, I noted, uh, a couple stanzas actually that I thought were really good. Uh, in the poem, and, and it one, one stands in particular says, a moth presses wings thin as paper against my window, more beautiful than I could ever be. And then later on it says, ryegrass raised seedy heads beyond the bull thistle and preen, everything alive aches for more. And it, it seems to me there's kind of a dichotomy going on in your poem or a contrast between um, kind of the, the past of, of what was revered in Appalachia from the past and also this, this desire for something to be perfect and better. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the, the contrasts that are at work in that poem, because it really was one of my favorite poems, not because it was the title poem, but just because uh, I, I felt like it connected past Appalachia to kind of what people are thinking about uh, looking at Appalachia's future. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I think you've hit it right on the head of, of what I was going for, Elliot, because uh, you know, like I said, I always rely on my ancestors. It's like they still speak to me. And I, I believe in that genealogy where they say you're imprinted from your past uh, heritage. And I think that's very, very strong in me. Um, and I often think, you know, a lot of people say, well, what would Jesus do? Well, I'm like, well, what would my grandmother do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how I operate my life. She was probably the most spiritual person I've ever known in my life. And, um, so in that particular poem, I start with sort of that idea of uh, a people envisioning uh, we Appalachians as uh, barefoot, undereducated, um, overfed, underemployed, and that we all live in uh, some place, you know, like in a trailer or someplace like that. Um, and, and unfortunately, some of us do, but so do all Americans. I mean, Poverty is a national issue, not an Appalachian issue. And it's a national tragedy. I'll add that as well. 
And then uh, I talk about how, you know, this mo these modern times, we've been asked to give up our heritage. You know, they make fun of us and tell us you're hillbillies and you should give that up. And I feel exactly the opposite of that. I want to cling to it as long as I can. I want, to, I want my son to be reminded all the time. I talk to him all the time when I remember a story. I'll even call him up or text him and say, I just had a, I just had a thought, do you know your grandma used to blah, 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 or your grandpa? And I make it real clear to him. And he has an amazing green thumb. He got the green thumb. I'm a good gardener. He is an excellent gardener. He, he has the whisperer element to him. Um, and these came from my people. These came from my heritage. Um, and so what happens is you start, you start thinking about the modern world and what goes on on the television and what people say, and you get involved in that. You start to second guess yourself and whether you're good enough and whether you're the kind of person you want to be. And then hopefully we all come to that point where we realize there's nothing more perfect than nature. And all you got to do is look at nature and that's the standard you should be measuring yourself up against. And when you do that, then you realize, oh my gosh, all I have to do is be a decent, good human being and take care of the earth, take care of the land and be kind to other people. And you will have a very happy life instead of just longing and longing for this made up, invisible, imaginary world that the television or the internet tells us we need. Because honestly, we don't need it. We are all, so many, especially our young people today are lacking in purpose because they can't find their roots. And it's our roots that it's so important that we have those roots. When somebody is mean to you or something goes wrong and you have a really bad day, you sit down in nature and think about your people and think what your people went through. My people, my great, 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 great grandparents helped settle Aiken, South Carolina. And let me tell you, it was hard. They picked up and moved and just started all over. And they were old. I talked about my great, my grandmother being, um, said she was gray haired, but looked wild enough to tackle a den of bobcats. <laughs> and it's like, well, first of all, I know where I got my ornery from, but also to be gray haired and just up and take off and start all over with a scratch of land that didn't have a thing on it, nothing, not even a lean-to. I mean, that takes such courage and guts and love of the land and, and belief in yourself and others. And that, you know, there's a reason to, to, to take a risk and, and, um, and be who you are. And so that's all I hope in this poem, because that's what I was putting in there is how important my ancestors were and how important it is to kind of not hold too much um, or buy too for for to buy too far into this whole concept of what is expected of us as modern people. I mean, a lot of people don't even know how to grow anything, nothing, not one one even flower pot full, and it astounds me. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely true on, on all of that. And you touched on something uh, that I wanted to ask you about, which leads Rin right into my next question, in that uh, a lot of your poems in this collection deal with, with family relationships and sort of the complexities that exist within them. And I wanted to ask you about uh, another poem in the collection that I really loved. It's called uh, When You Meet My Mama. And I love that poem because it's, it's really structured as a set of questions uh, that the, the speaker or the narrator of the poem is asking. Some of them are kind of obvious questions. Some of them are, are, are pretty, pretty uh, sharp uh, in the way that they're phrased. But um, I was reading that and I was reading it before we began our interview today. And I was thinking about what those questions are trying to get to. And it seems to me that you know, these are questions that uh, if answered by a mother, or the mother in this particular poem that's being asked these things, this would be information that you would want to pass down to your daughter. It's some information you would want your daughter to know. Um, and then we, we later learn kind of in the poem where we get the sense that the mother is suffering some, some depression and some you know, uh, emotional trauma. Uh, and all of this comes from uh, an incident when she was younger in a barn involving her uncle. Um, and that the grandmother didn't necessarily, the grandmother or her mother, the mother's mother did not necessarily uh, uh, believe that story. And, and I, there was so much going on in that poem. And, and it just reminded me of um, how oftentimes in Appalachia, because of these complex family relationships and also the other issues you were talking about a moment ago, you know, with poverty and people trying to find their place and where they fit in, that, you know, mental illness, uh, abuse, is unfortunately something that we see a lot uh, as sort of cultural mores in Appalachia. And I wanted to ask you about how that was reflected in the poem, why you put some of those elements in that particular poem, because I thought it was going to be something very different from the title, and I loved it. But when I got into it, I was realizing, wow, this, this is, again, is another snapshot of, of Appalachian people and culture, not just uh, in the past, but also kind of what current families are going through today. So I want to ask you a little bit about working some of those motifs into that particular poem. Yes, thank you, Elliot. You're right. Um, this is a, a poem about sexual abuse. This is a poem about uh, drug addiction. And this is a poem about complex relationships between uh, the grandmother and the granddaughter. Um, this is about growing up rural. I mean, there's, you're right, there's so much packed in here. And, um, you know, this is almost like an accusation toward the mother to say, now confess, you know, and you ask these questions. It, you know, when you meet my mama, ask her this and see what she says, you know, kind of a thing. And the reason I wrote this is getting right back to what I was talking about, poverty. Until we all have an equal opportunity to access appropriate mental health care, until we all have access to um, proper medication, until we all have access to uh, uh, counseling, you know, to, to, that gets back to the mental health, but someone who's been sexually abused in Appalachian will often have a very difficult time finding an advocate. And it's not because people are unfeeling, it's because it's kind of almost taboo to even talk about it. It reminds me of when a soldier returns from combat, they're kind of told, you don't talk about that. You know, you just, you just don't talk about that. You don't talk about your time. You don't talk about you killed people. Well, it's the same thing when, it, when someone gets um, 
molested. And again, I will say this is a national issue. Women are, are I mean, there's a woman murdered every hour in America. And sometimes it's by someone she loves. And so this poem is kind of full of that, how you can be this kind of innocent child growing up on a farm. And then one day something happens and your entire life is changed forever. And the result of that is mental health issues, drug addiction issues, relationship issues, connection to your roots issues, connection to the land issues. I tried to put all of that in that poem. And I think from what you said, I think I got a lot of that across to you anyway, hopefully to others as well. And you're right, it's a very complex poem and going at it in a very sort of different kind of way because it's a very delicate, these are delicate topics. And my, my way of doing things is to, tr I, I have found, like they say, flies with honey. You know, you can get people to read your poem and be, be confrontational. You can be an activist, but you don't have to scream at them. You can come at it in a very uh, modest, humble, quiet sort of way and roll them into it so that they can deal with these issues. Because, you know, really, we don't want to read about young women being molested, especially by a family member. You know, we don't want to hear a whole lot about drug addiction because it's so sad. And it, especially if it's not us, you know, that kind of attitude. So this poem was written and based on the idea of activism, but rolling folks into it slowly. And then, um, you know, as you know, you just don't, you just, there's, in Appalachian, they're off, Appalachia, there's often not a happy ending to all of this because we don't have adequate health care. We don't have, well, I should say, it's not available to everyone. Uh, medications are not available to everyone. I mean, proper doctor visits aren't available to everyone. Education isn't available to everyone. And that's not just Appalachia. Again, national tragedies that everyone does not have an equal playing field in those particular areas. And until we do, we as a nation, I don't think are going to come together. I think we're going to be divided until these issues are addressed. Carrie Gunter Seymour is our guest here on this episode of Now Appalachia. She is the Poet Laureate of Ohio and a recipient of the 2021 Academy of American Poets Laureate Fellowship. And we're talking to her today about her latest poetry collection that is titled A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen, which was published by Sheila and Gig Editions in 2020, and it won the 2020 Ohio Poet of the Year Award. So, Carrie, we'll come back to your collection of poems in just a second. But I wanted to ask you, uh, about your most recent honor, that you recently were reappointed as the Poet Laureate for the state of Ohio. So congratulations. But what is a Poet Laureate? We hear that term a lot. What is that exactly? And how did you get selected the first time? And how did you get reappointed to the position? Well, um, in a nutshell, the Poet Laureate sort of represents the state um, uh, in all things poetry. Um, the way I conduct my laureateship is to lift up others in the state of Ohio and even beyond. Again, if they're Appalachian, I'm going to lift them up, <laughs> no matter what state they're from. But I, you know, as of late, I've been concentrating on Ohio Appalachians, as I said, because of this sort of lack of understanding that we are here. Um, the process is um, 
people nominate you. And in the state of Ohio, you can actually nominate yourself. Um, I was humbled that I did not need to do that. Several people did nominate me. Um, and then you go through sort of a rigorous prog uh, process in which they vet you and, uh, you know, they do a background check and, you know, you turn in your resume and you come up with the idea of a project, which my project was to work with folks in recovery, whether incarcerated or in halfway houses. And I'm so proud to say, to say that I was able to do that work, even though the pandemic was happening. And I think it's some of the finest work I've done over the last uh, year and a half that I was Ohio Poets Laureate. And, um, and so uh, I just kind of went about my business. They, uh, you know, you kind of report in, I work with uh, directly with the Ohio Arts Council and they are a great asset to me. If I have uh, uh, needs or issues or questions, I go to them. The governor's office was wonderful in arranging uh, for my uh, ability to go into the prisons and into the halfway houses to do the work with folks there who are good, wonderful, wonderful folks that made a mistake, you know? Um, so it was just humbling and wonderful. And I, I can tell you, by the end of the time I was spending with each of them, I was usually in tears because they had been writing and then they started sharing their work. And when they shared their work, you just can't help but have tears, you know? And some of them were happy tears and some of them were tears of deep sadness uh, and grief for them. Um, and then for all folks. And so that's how I conduct my laureateship is I do readings and workshops. I travel wherever. I've, I've worked with sixth graders. I've worked with 90 year olds and all in between. And it's every bit of it's been just absolutely wonderful. And every time I go somewhere, I'm just so humbled and, and so grateful to be invited in. Um, as far as the second, uh, the reappointment, that sort of came as a surprise. Um, when I was asked, uh, you know, I thought, well, gosh, do I really, you know, want to do this for two more years? And then I realized, well, I'm booked <laughs> for two years with uh, events that pertain to the work I'm doing as the Poet Laureate. So it was really just a matter of carrying on for me. Again, uh, I say that very humbly and uh, with much um much gratitude to those who, uh, you know, believe in me as a person and believe in the, um, the service of Ohio Poet Laureate. So again, very grateful. And you as director of the Women of Appalachia Project uh, edited a series called Women Speak, but I also know that you've been involved in the last year or so with another anthology project, another poet anthology project from uh, uh, writers or poets with connections to Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the timeline for when that anthology might be uh, ready for publication? Sure. Well, as Poet Laureate of Ohio, I was invited to submit a grant to the Academy of American Poets. And it was a proposal, of course. They didn't say I would I was guaranteed to get it. So I thought, what would I want to do? What would be a legacy? If I was to earn to, to, to earn this $50,000 grant, what would I want to do with that? And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is my opportunity to focus on Appalachian, Ohio. So that's what I did. I proposed an anthology um, that would include work from all over the United States, but based on 
Appalachian, Ohio. So folks needed to either be living in Appalachian, Ohio, be from Appalachian, Ohio, have people who were from Appalachian, Ohio, or they knew someone that was a good friend or a family member or married to a family member and they would write about them or they would write about the land or any kind of history or folklore involving Appalachian, Ohio. So I, and, and um, you know, then, then I set up a series of readings to go with it and all the partners throughout Ohio that came through for me, like I said, all over the state partners agreeing to host readings if indeed I got this grant to do the book. And lo and behold, I did. I got the grant and, you know, work started in uh, July and I did a call for uh, poems. It's all poems uh, starting in August and the book will come out, believe it or not, in March of 22. We have, I have absolutely (laughs) busted my buns as they say. Uh, I had assistance from uh, Haley Hogan Mitchell and David Prather in uh, jurying the work, helping me jury the work. Um, and I got busy, uh, you know, collating and, um, and co- contacting poets to make edits to their pieces that were selected. And uh, Haley Mitchell Hogan at Sheila McGig is the uh, editor, or excuse me. I'm the editor. She's the publisher. <laughs> and uh, she got busy and uh, helped, you know, put the publishing end of it together. I, de- you know, I designed the cover and, um, and lo and behold, we will be ha- launching that uh, anthology on March the 16th in Cincinnati. And the reason we're doing it in Cincinnati is because the Mercantile Library is one of the oldest libraries in Ohio. It is Appalachian focused. And it's going to feature that big, huge pocket of Cincinnati poets that are Appalachian that I told you about earlier, among others throughout the state. And it's, it's a huge mix. It's a mix of Appalachian, um, indigenous, um, non-binary and LGBTQ, uh, from teens to creatively aging, poets in recovery, some with disabilities or developmental differences emerging to well-established, like I said, some living in the state, others from assorted locations throughout the country, but all of them with a deep connection to Appalachian, Ohio. We got folks as far as as Long Beach, California and Colorado who submitted as well as, you know, throughout West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, um, into the Pennsylvania and um, in surrounding states. I think we have one from Illinois. So it's it's just this fabulous collection that's never been done before. There's uh, researched and there's never been a book of poetry that focused on central Appalachians. So it will be the first of its kind. And I'm very proud of that. <laughs> it sounds like a great project. And I know I'm looking forward to it. And uh, everybody with connections to Appalachia, either uh, by birth, by relocation, by friendship, by spouse, whatever, uh, should take advantage of it because uh, I've seen a few of the names that are on that list. And it is a who's who of great writing and great writers that folks are going to be uh, really excited to check out coming up uh, in March of 2022. And we're chatting with Carrie Gunter Seymour here today on this episode of Now 
now Appalachia, talking about poetry, her career, her outreach uh, experiences and opportunities that she's done as the Poet Laureate of Ohio, and more specifically, talking about her latest collection, A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen. And we're going to let Carrie read a poem here in just a minute, but before she does, I wanted to ask her uh, one more question, and then we'll turn the uh, microphone over to her for a moment, let her share one of the poems from the collection so you can get a sense of really just the, the great writing and imagery that's present through all of the poems. And I wish we had more time to talk about more of the ones uh, in the book because it's so wonderful. But uh, before we get to the poem, Carrie, if anybody wants to get in contact with you uh, to talk more about uh, what you're doing as the Ohio Poet Laureate, past projects, upcoming projects, um, how can they get in contact with you, first of all? How can they reach out to you? And then where can they get copies uh, of A Place So Deep? Well, you can always get me on my website, and it's just CarrieGunterSeymourPoet.com. So that's really easy, CarrieGunterSeymourPoet.com. The book is available directly from my publisher at Sheila Nagig, and that is online as well, Sheila Nagig Editions. Um, of course, you can find it at Target and on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and many other places. But if you're able, I would really appreciate you purchasing it from my publisher. She's a one woman press and um, and she's been just absolutely fabulous and she could use your support. So I do hope if you're considering buying, you'll you'll get it from there. Um, yes. And um, that's the best way to reach me is through my website. Very good. So. Anytime we have a poet on, we like to let them kind of conclude our chat and discussion today by reading a selection uh, from their most recent work. And we've been talking a lot about uh, a couple of your poems in a place so deep inside America, it can't be seen and kind of the, the threads and connections to Appalachia past and present. So we want to give you an opportunity, Carrie, to, to read a poem for us from your collection so that the audience can get a sense of uh, what's going on in your poems, a sense of the language, the imagery and everything in your writing style. Um, so we will, we will turn it over to you, uh, let you finish up that uh, and finish up our uh, discussion today. But, but before we do, thanks for coming on now Appalachia today, Carrie. Congratulations on being reappointed Poet Laureate of Ohio and for all the great work you have done and continue to do uh, to highlight Appalachia and all the positive things that are happening both in uh, culturally, but also in, in the literature area and in literary arts. So thanks so much for the conversation today and we'll turn it over you, to you to let you read a poem from your collection for us. Thank you, Elliot. I sure appreciate being here today. This is just absolutely lovely. Um, I thought I'd just go ahead and read uh, the anchor poem uh, since you brought it up and that way everybody can hear the whole poem. Um, this is, I come from a place so deep inside America, it can't be seen. White oaks thrash, moonlight drifts the ceiling as if I'm underwater. Propane coils warms my bones. Gone are the magics and songs. All the things our grandmothers buried. Piles of feathers and angel bones inscribed by all who came before. When I was 12, my cousins called me ugly. Enough to make it last. Tonight, a celebrity on Oprah imagines a future where features can be removed and replaced on a whim. A moth presses wings thin as paper against my window. 
more beautiful than I could ever be. Ryegrass raised seedy heads beyond the bull thistle and preen. Everything alive aches for more. Fantastic, fantastic. Carrie Gunter Seymour, the Ohio Poet Laureate and recipient of the 2021 Academy of American Poets Laureate Fellowship, has been our guest today here on Now Appalachia. Please check out her latest collection of poems. It's called A Place So Deep Inside America, It Can't Be Seen, published by Sheila Nagig Editions. Uh, get that uh, at your local independent bookstore or from the publisher at Sheila Nagig. Uh, you can find that online and certainly reach out to Carrie with uh, any questions or comments. We appreciate Carrie uh, being with us on the program today. As we finish up uh, on this edition and episode of Now Appalachia, we want to give a shout out to two people who make uh, this episode and all of the episodes of Now Appalachia possible. The, the first person is our executive producer. Her name is Pam Stack. Uh, the associate producer of Now Appalachia is Roman Sorotin, and we appreciate both Roman and Pam for all the work that they do uh, behind the scenes to make these podcasts possible and to get those up and out and disseminated uh, anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. So thanks so much, Roman and Pam, for all of the good work that you do. We also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And that is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.